The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts, and I'm joined today by Utah Symphony Associate Conductor Ray Hotoda. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Ray is in her second season as Associate Conductor, and she is the face of our education series and many others. Associate Conductors, Resident Conductors, Assistant Conductors, there's all these words, and the one thing that, in, that is in common, I think, with all these positions is that, is that they're very public. There's many opportunities for you to interact with audience members of all ages, more so, I think, than music directors. Um, do you think it's important, though, for all conductors to be fluent in this kind of audience communication, to be able to speak well about what they do? Talk about that. Absolutely. And I think that um, not only talking about the music, but to really engage and inspire the community mm-hmm. with the music and mm-hmm. what we do on stage. I think, um, you know, having a voice to the music sometimes helps, but it's also being out there and talking to the audience members, you know, talking to students um, and working alongside with the public, I think is so important important to just um, not just talk about the music, right? but to really um, be with them in yeah. the music. It's not just about being living program notes and discussing the music right, with them. It's exactly. about talking about what orchestras do, why they exist, what the function of a conductor is. I mean, do you get opportunities to talk about all of those things as well? Um, sometimes, you know, yeah. it depends on the students and, and the sure. audience, you know, but they do ask me personal questions like, how do you do this? How do you do that? I'm and, sure. And it's always fun to kind of engage them in that way. And they're, they're always so thankful. Thank you for talking to us. And yeah. just thank you so much for being here. And they're so appreciative. So I think just putting a face to the orchestra is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've talked with instrumentalists on the show about the audition process for them and what it's like and you know the different the different aspects of it and I'm curious how do conductor auditions differ obviously the anonymity part is out of the question that's right so it, tell us how it's different well in each audition whether it's instrumental or conductors uh, each organization is different each um, have their own criteria that they're looking for mm-hmm. in players and in conductors sure um, and so that said I think that a conductor you know it's all about the music it's all about what you do on the podium if the orchestra is engaged then they um, feel more comfortable working with this person but it's also about you know working within the organization and being able to uh, work in the different aspects of the organization and what sure. they do and being compatible with that absolutely and so I think that's important to find somebody who could do all of those things yeah in the audition process you know we talked about the ability to communicate with audiences how do you how do you prove that in an audition with no audience well it's interesting because sometimes the aud- uh, the audition process is about speaking sure and so in the audition um, for the Utah Symphony I had to do a quick education two-minute uh, audition speaking about Beethoven's uh-huh. uh, last movement of Symphony Number One, and how would I do that? How would I present that in an education concert? And okay. so, I think that you know helped a lot. So there are opportunities to sort of prove your mettle when it comes to being able to speak. Exactly. And sometimes you're put on the spot, and they'll sure. say, you know, talk about how you would um, talk about uh, f- to fifth graders about um, Mozart Symphony Number no. Forty One. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to be ready on the on the fly. So much more to your job than just leading concerts. So exactly. much more to it. I know that conductors, it's just part of the profession that you change addresses a lot. There's a lot of different jobs, both in your past and in your future. It's just the way it goes when you're a professional conductor. So tell us what your sort of career map 
looks like so far? I've lived in Canada, in Winnipeg, uh-huh. also in Dallas, so way cold and then very, very warm uh, weather. To Different in other ways, too. Yes, very different. And um, I traveled across the country guest conducting and doing all those things. I, um, you know, my family doesn't travel with me all the time. Right. And uh, so, but we have a very close-knit way of keeping in touch and and I have a very supportive family and we Skype and we FaceTime. Luckily, there's FaceTime now. And we do it at least five times a day. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. But, uh, um, and they they travel with me when I can, you know, when sure. they can. Sure. And so it's always um, a, a challenge, but not a yeah. difficulty. Other than, other than that family aspect, are there other difficulties to sort of moving around as much? I mean, it's you. It's probably hard to get to know communities. and It is, yeah. but um, I think that that's part of me that I love about conducting is going to, traveling to new places. Sure. And the only stressful thing is, is flying, you know, just uh-huh. catching the flight and making sure you get to the rehearsal in time and things like that. I, I bet you find that you're tired a lot, too. I sleep anywhere now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's like I can sleep for 20 minutes and I'm good, you know, for the rest of the day. That's a great skill to have. You've, yes. you've learned you've learned the art of the power nap, right? That's right. Which That's is right. great. So let's talk about repertoire a little bit because this is the most important thing to a conductor. Are there some areas of the repertoire that you're particularly passionate about? What are those? Every time I'm studying a new score or if I'm reviewing a, a piece that I've conducted before and I'm about to do it again... I always find that I love that piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so hard to pick one area uh, that I'm, because I'm still exploring the repertoire. And, you know, maybe um, like the Ives symphonies, I've never um, studied those and never yeah. conducted those. And so this year we're doing that. Right, right. All four. All four. And I'm just really excited about that. And maybe I'll be an Ives, you know, <laughs> lover after this. It's, it sounds a little like I, I, I read a lot. I read a lot of modern literature and I'm often asked, oh, what's your favorite book? And it's, it, it, that answer changes every month. Exactly. I couldn't possibly pick just one. So it sounds like it's similar for you. Yes, very much. Is there this one great piece? What's your white whale? What's this piece you're just dying to do well, someday? Well, you know, we just did Mahler 8 with yeah. the Mormon Tabernacle Choir yeah. last season. I think that has to be it. Oh. Someday yeah. I would love to have those forces and just do that entire work. It's just an amazing, amazing piece. That piece requires so much infrastructure. It's like Halley's Comet, though. It's so difficult to have that happen. Well, I, I hope you get to do it not just once, but many, many times. It's I a great know, piece. I know. We talked about kids before and the fact that you interact with them on a very regular basis. Um, you meet so many of them over the course of the season. Tell us some of the things they tell you about the experience of live symphonic music. Well, it's great because um, our education department has a meet and greet in between the uh, ed concerts that we do on the road. And it's a wonderful chance for the uh, orchestra and the audience to meet and greet each other. And oftentimes we'll have a group of students. They always come as a group. They, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very rarely do they come one, one at a time. No, they need the support of their peers. Yes. <laughs> and they say, oh my gosh, you were so wonderful. It was such a wonderful experience. And I'll always, I'll always engage them and sure. say, well, what, what did you like about it? What? Mm-hmm. And so I really try to start a conversation with them, letting them know that we're not just people on stage far, far away uh, and accessible, but you know, that we're people too. And we have likes and dislikes. And it's just a wonderful way to see them so excited yeah. about the concert experience. And that just, you know, for me and I know for the orchestra, that just means so much to us that maybe we've created, you know, planted a seed of interest in classical music. Absolutely. And, and, and it's also a way for them to think differently and to feel differently and 
um, it's just a, a chance for them to get out of their heads, so to speak, Absolutely. and into their hearts. We don't need every one of the kids you meet to be an orchestral musician, but we need them all to love it. Absolutely. And we talk we talk a lot about that fourth wall, the that perceived you know barrier between the stage and the audience and I always feel like it's most permeable with kids exactly we are right now playing whole smars movement sure in our education concerts and the audience just goes nuts after yeah, that piece I'm sure and it is a very powerful work but to Absolutely. see to hear their enthusiasm is just fabulous it probably sounds like movie music to them it's exactly. very evocative of visual experiences yes. Ray, we have this question we ask everybody on the show, and it's the, it's it's the it's the weird one because of our name. It's have you ever seen a ghost? Do you have any paranormal experiences you can share with us? I have to tell you that I don't believe in ghosts. Uh huh. But that being said, <laughs> I am very um, extremely hypersensitive to things, yeah. and yeah. I just. Uh, I don't want to believe in it, but sometimes I feel it. Yeah. It's just a yeah. sensitivity that I have for it, but so, I hope I don't see a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't believe in them, but you have a radar for them. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> stay away from me. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope, Ray, the next time we interview you that you have a very benign but very exact story to tell us about a ghost experience. Ray Hotoda, thank you so much for joining us on the Ghost Light Podcast. My pleasure. Tomorrow evening, October 25, Ray Hotoda conducts the ever-popular Halloween Spooktacular concert featuring a costume contest that has become a beloved annual tradition and in fact is billed as one of the largest in the state of Utah. This weekend on October 28 and 29, the Utah Symphony will perform music from blockbuster films such as Dark Knight, Avengers, X-Men, Captain America, and more in a concert called Superheroes with conductor John Morris Russell. Tickets and information are available at utahsymphony.org. The Ghost Light Podcast is produced by Chad Call. Utah Symphony, Utah Opera's season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation. <laughs>